We're down to about three and a half weeks left in the SEC basketball season, and literally not much, if anything, has been decided. Seven teams are within two games of the lead, and that includes Kentucky, which is no surprise. Big Blue's always in that mix. And we're going to talk about the Big Blue today on Jump Ball, the new podcast on V-Sport-O-Tated SEC Basketball. I'm Randy Rosetta, host of Tiger Topics on Tiger Sports Radio and an LSU beat writer for NOLA.com and the New Orleans Times. Jump Ball is a weekly rundown of what's going on around the SEC, who's hot, who's not, trends are, and which teams are making the right press towards the postseason. And Kentucky certainly fits that bill. It, that's a little strange to even be talking about Kentucky working towards the postseason when you consider their history and tradition, the fact that they began the season ranked number one in the country, were picked to win the SEC. But the Wildcats haven't been immune from what a lot of teams around the country have gone through with young players. They've had to kind of had go through some growing pains and adjust. I'm going to get my friend Jerry Tipton from the Lexington Herald-Leader to come on and talk a little bit about Kentucky. He's been covering them since 1982, which boggles my mind. He's one of the guys that I've kind of looked to as a, a mentor, even at my age. I have those. I followed him for years, and nobody knows Kentucky basketball as well as Jerry, so we'll get him on to talk about the Wildcats in just a second. Welcome back to Jump Ball on the V-Sporto Network, where we talk about SEC basketball, and not many people know as much about SEC basketball or has covered it as long, and that makes him sound old, and I apologize for that. But Jerry Tipton is my guest today for from the Lexington newspaper. Jerry, how's it going today? Well, I am old, Randy, so you don't have to apologize. Uh, you're wise. They, I always tell my daughters that I'm, I may be old, but that comes with wisdom, and hopefully they'll buy that for a few more years. <laughs> well, we're focused on Kentucky for today, and you and I talked a little bit just a minute ago before we went live. This is a Kentucky team that seems to be playing better in some ways, still has some inconsistencies, but what have you seen the last couple of weeks from them that they've kind of turned a corner a little bit? Well, I think that they're. Uh, I, I think the realization that they're not just so good that they can just overpower people has hit home, and so they're playing with more, as the coaches would say, uh, uh, you know, with more alarm, with more uh, vigor, and uh, there's more of a uh, you know a feeling that they you know they have to play well. They can't just play, and so they're competing much better. I think that's one thing. And uh, and like all young teams, uh, you know uh, that that all teams that are dependent on freshmen, as the season goes on, they get more experience. So that some of the rough edges are smoothing out a little bit. They're they're still, uh, uh, and I think that they 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 they're deciding on how they have to play, and and they're kind of discarding some experiments that just didn't work. For instance, Scal Labissier, they wanted to make him a low-post player because uh, they really don't have a low-post player other than him. And, uh, you know, they finally just gave up on that experiment. Now he, he plays out at the high post more. And uh, but, but at least they've, you know, they've moved beyond trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole or whatever that cliche is. So I think all of that has contributed to it. 
the one guy who seems to be a constant has been Tyler Eulis. I've watched several games, and of course TV people talk on and on about him. Has he been pretty steady through this whole road, no matter how bumpy it's gotten? Yes. Yeah, he's been amazing, really. And I, I was telling somebody this morning that, uh, I'm, and I can't believe I'm thinking this, but I, I was thinking that pound for pound, he might be the best Kentucky player I've ever seen. Because mm-hmm. he's only five nine and 160 pounds, but uh, one of the assistant coaches said a week or so ago that uh, when Tyler looks in the mirror, he sees a guy six eight two sixty, and, and you know he, he, he's totally fearless and uh, concedes nothing. And the other thing about him is just the, the stamina he has. He leads the SEC in minutes played. I think it's up there, maybe close to 37, 38 minutes a game. He played all 45 minutes in an overtime loss at Kansas, and had some turnovers. And you could you you could wonder maybe fatigue got to him, but but he, he you know he he's amazing, and you know he's uh, you know the show's over if he if he were to get hurt and have to miss games, then that that would be a, a crippling blow. There's no doubt about that. Who else besides him? I've watched Poitras, and for me, Poitras, for since he's been there, is capable of these flashes of brilliance, but then at times kind of disappears. So we'll we'll kind of put him in that category. You you take what you get from him, but who else besides Euless has kind of found it for the Wildcats? Well, they're guards. They're all about the three guards. Euless at the point, and Jamal Murray is a, is a freshman, a shooter a guy that uh, if they get late in the shot clock, they might just throw the ball to him and just let him create. And uh, I think he's made, I think this is right, in the last two games he's made 14 out of 20 uh, three-point shots. Very good player, fairly steady. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he's kind of like if Tyler Eulis is number one, then he's 1A. And then uh, Isaiah Briscoe is the third guard, another freshman. He's more of a slasher. He's more of a uh, – he competes about at the level that Tyler Eulis does. He, he's he's kind of their uh, enforcer in the backcourt. And those three get almost – you know, it's amazing how much they get done and how little uh, Kentucky's bigs get done. And uh, so, you know, the Kentucky's all about the three guards. And I, don't, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but I know at one point – I said that the three guards counting assists as two bas- as two points each, that they were accounting for like 80% of Kentucky's scoring. I don't know how accurate that was, actually, when I think about it. But I, but they're their top three scorers, and, uh, and uh, what most of the baskets the big guys get come from direct passes where from one of the three guards where all they have to do is lay it in or dunk it. So, yeah, that, that that's Kentucky in a nutshell. That's three guards. You mentioned going to Kansas and going to overtime. That's the, the same day that LSU pushed Oklahoma to the brink. That was good Kentucky on the road. Right. They come back and lose at Tennessee after having a big lead. Is the road still the biggest Achilles heel for this group? Well, that's the big question that's hanging over it, uh, definitely. Uh, at Tennessee, they led by 21 in the first half, ended up losing by seven. And uh, they were fou- they fouled a lot in that game. And they, they have, uh, <clears throat> they're fouling more than John Calipari's teams usually do. And they sent uh, Tennessee, I think, believe, 
Tennessee has shot 34 free throws. And and for the season, opponents are shooting more free throws than Kentucky, which is uh, very unusual. <clears throat> it's been seven, eight years, I believe, since that, something like that's happened. And uh, they don't have the, the shot blocker at the basket to where uh, the offense of the perimeter defenders don't have to worry too much about <clears throat> getting beat because they've got that guy behind them who can protect them, and they don't they don't have that at least at least not to the degree that they usually have it. So now, coincidentally or not, they're fouling more, and uh, that's how Tennessee got back in the game. Kentucky had more baskets in the game, but Tennessee made the, made it up uh, in free throws. But uh, like I said earlier, the Kentucky's lost six out of their last eight road games or games away from Rupp Arena. So, uh, yeah, that's the question uh, going forward. And they, they have a tough, you know, they, they have some, their remaining road games, none of them are going to be easy at South Carolina Saturday and then at Texas A&M the following Saturday and then at Vandy the Saturday after that and then at Florida. So, you know. They're, they're, that's uh, going to be a, uh, something that everybody around Kentucky is going to be watching how they perform in those games. Stepping back a little bit, is this about what you thought this Kentucky team would be like at this point? The, they had the hot, again, had the Ballyhooed recruiting class, and everybody had them ranked number one in the country early on, picked to win the SEC. Did you think that it would? take some growing pains like it has or did you think that or do you think they're where they need to be well i didn't uh didn't anticipate this because we've, we've been conditioned that uh since john calipari's been coached that they bring in a uh you know a highly regarded recruiting class and those guys hit the ground running and uh, they have enough veterans to smooth things out and you know it goes from there and obviously that hasn't been the case. And uh, at the beginning of the season, John Calipari was saying or cautioning us not to think of them as last year's team, which I don't think anybody would would do anyway, because that was so unusual with the number of veterans and the number of uh, high-caliber freshmen that he had to use platoons. And uh, so we knew they wouldn't be that good. But you're just used to them. You know, just plugging in the holes and and going forward. And scale of this year was supposed to be Carl uh, Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis, that sort of player. And that was the first sign that, that, that when he struggled early, that uh, it, it was going to be a different kind of season than than it's been in the past. But they uh, Kentucky fans can look to uh, two years ago with. Kentucky struggled through the season, but they kept working at it and then uh, got hot at the end and went to the Final Four. This is 2014. And something similar in 2011 where they, uh, you know, by Kentucky standards struggled and then uh, got it going late and went to the Final Four. So I think that's the the blueprint that uh, Kentucky fans hope uh, this team follows. I mentioned before we jumped on that I'm watching some of that same stuff with LSU. Ben Simmons is a splendid player, does everything you'd want a player to do. I think he's clearly the best freshman in the country, but he's still a freshman, and you still see some of that. He still makes fouls that an older guy knows to stay away from. He still gets lost in the wash on defense at at times. 
are the Kentucky freshmen kind of in that same boat right now where you, you're, they're doing things that a year from now they probably wouldn't do? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there are times where, uh, like Murray, for instance, might get lost, might lose his man, and the guy cuts to the basket and takes a pass and scores. That's happened enough that you would notice it. And, uh, and you know, and the fouling, you know, they might make a foul that, you know, you're just not just not necessary. Uh but they are freshmen. It's it's easy to forget that. I mean, in the olden days, they would, uh, you know, you would just see a player with a lot of promise, and uh, you know, there wouldn't be such, uh, at least around here, uh, so much judgment going on because of Kentucky fans are conditioned to think of these guys as being here only one season. So they are, of course, wanting the biggest payoff possible in that one season. So they're they're a little more judgmental than they might have been uh, in the past but they've been very uh, they've been very supportive of this group they they I don't I don't really hear too much grumbling yeah at the games i mean there's of course grumbling on the internet and the message boards and all that stuff but uh, at the games uh, you know if whenever scal he's the guy that's kind of become the uh, the poster child for uh, freshman struggles and uh, and fans reacting to that they've been you know very supportive every you know they react every time he grabs a rebound or blocks a shot anything that shows a step forward they're very much uh, supportive. You know, I didn't, I don't know that it smacked me in the face about how different freshmen are between their freshman and sophomore years until 10 years ago when LSU went to the Final Four. Garrett Temple and Tyrus Thomas were redshirt freshmen, so they were actually sophomores maturity wise and academically, but you could see how that one year, even though they didn't play a minute that year before, you could just sit there and watch how much more mature they were. Right. Is there somebody on Kentucky right now that kind of fits that bill that, you know, they, they didn't get caught up in the one and done thing. They stuck around and they have kind of, I know Tyler Ulysses is the first guy. I'm thinking of anybody. Is there right. anybody else on Kentucky's right. roster that kind of fits that bill where sticking around has helped them? Well, the guy that comes up to mind is Derek Willis. He's a forward that uh, he's from Kentucky. And so, of course, there was a built-in uh, fan base that wanted to see him do well. And he, he didn't play hardly at all. I think he played about half the games his first two years and, and not much. He was kind of an end-of-the-bench guy that would come in occasionally. And, and you know, he, I think he averaged less than uh, five points or or five rebounds. He just was on the team. This year, he's become a very important. Who, uh, you know, how can they play? How should they play? And they've uh, they've put him, made him a starter, because primarily because he can shoot from the perimeter, and so that stretches the defenses out a little bit. With he, Murray, and Eulis giving them three pretty good shooters, and spread the defense so the guards can also kind of penetrate and kind of get some action going that way. And he's, uh, you know, the the thing that's uh, surprised people is how well he's rebounded. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he started about five games now, the last five games, five six games, and he's averaging like eight or nine rebounds a game. So he's, you know. 
everybody thought that he could play. It wasn't a question of this guy shouldn't even be on the team. It was just they were, they had other players who were better the last two years. And, you know, it, he's just older now, more mature, as you say. And, uh, and, and he's ready. Uh, he's shown that he's ready to step onto the floor and uh, be productive. Well, those, and I know those are the players that coaches tend to latch on to, and it's understandable. I, I know Calipari and Johnny Jones has gotten used to this. You, you, they're not used to having players around as long as they want them to. So when a guy does kind of show some growth and progress, coaches love that stuff. So, well, right. a few weeks left in the regular season. You mentioned the road games Kentucky's got to navigate. They get to the neutral site in March, whether it's Nashville for the SEC tournament or wherever for the NCAA tournament. Is this a team that you think can stick around for a while in the NCAA tournament? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any great teams out there. I don't think there's anybody that you would just say, well, they just can't beat them. But on the on the flip side, you know, there are more teams that Kentucky fans are used to that could beat Kentucky. So I think it'll all come down to matchups and, uh, you know, all the intangibles and maybe a little bit of luck here and there. But I think Kentucky is capable of making a tournament run, but I think they could also lose early on by in the first weekend. And so, you know, who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. But I think they're equipped. I think they have the players to make a run. Uh, but we'll have to, you know, again, we'll have to see uh, – how the matchups go and all that. But I, I don't think there's any team out there that they would fear just going into the game and think, you know, oh, what a what a tremendous underdog we are. They, you know, they still think of themselves as Kentucky and, uh, and, and never think they're the underdog. Let me flip the script on you a little bit here, too. You saw LSU against Kentucky that day in, in Baton Rouge, and they played very well that night. You've, I'm sure you've seen snippets of them since then, and they right. found found it well enough to to be in first place for one playing date at least. They're tied for right. it now. Is LSU one of those teams too that you could see being an NCAA tournament team that could win early or could go home early? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a. I think it's amazing how many teams are like that. I would I would guess twenty, maybe more. Are uh, are capable of winning, uh, you know, several games and going deep into the tournament. And again, there's no, uh, you know, I, I think of Texas A&M that way. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of the, of the teams in the league, but uh, uh, there's enough teams and enough. Uh, when, when you've got a Ben Simmons, that's always a good place to start, of course. <laughs> right. And uh, and I think that gives them a chance in any game. And I don't see why not that uh, uh I think the big thing is just going to be getting in the tournament for for several teams who are capable of then going on a run. Uh and there've been times where Kentucky this is going way back now here but 1985 I think they were 16 and 12 in the regular season and didn't think they'd get in but they did and they got on a run. Same sort of thing where just you know it is, the matchup was okay, and then they won another game. The matchup was okay. I don't think anybody thought they were going to win the national championship, but you keep winning games, 
you start thinking. And uh, I think there are a lot of teams, including LSU, that would fit that description. I think if I did my math right, seven teams right now are within two games of the lead in the SEC, and then if you go down just one more level, I think 10 or 11 are within three games, and that's with, what, seven playing dates to go. So a lot could shake yeah. out between now and then in the SEC. It's, it's kind of been fun to watch as teams have kind of knocked each, each other off here and there, and teams have emerged as surprises. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see good competitive games and and with, with the drama, and that's what we're getting. So, I mean, you know, if I'm a fan, I probably would rather see my team just dominate and have no tension at all. But, I mean, that's not what, you know, that's not what we have. Uh, but, but I think it's very fun, a lot of fun, and uh, and I think that postseason is going to be that way too. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I think Nashville will be kind of up for grabs. And I, right. I would imagine even, even those first two games – the play-in games or whatever they call them in the SEC. I know the NCAA is going to start calling them play-in games now. Right. Those first two games could be, was it Auburn last year that, that hung around a lot longer than anybody else? They beat LSU along the way. We could see a little bit of that in Nashville. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Anything could happen. I don't, Like I say, I think for Kentucky, the team that I've watched the most, uh, the most, uh, uh, you know, yeah, I could see them winning the tournament. I could see them losing on Friday, assuming that that's when they play their first game. That would make a lot of businesses in Nashville very sad if that happened, Jerry. <laughs> Never know. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, they want their big blue presence in Nashville, and I can understand that. So, well, thanks for joining me today, my friend. I appreciate your insight, and I'm sure I will talk to you a few weeks down the road when LSU and Kentucky finish up the regular season. Well, thanks for having me, Randy. I enjoyed it. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. That's going to do it for today on Jump Ball, the new SEC basketball podcast on the vSporto Network. I want to thank Jerry Tipton from the Lexington Herald, Herald Leader for joining me to talk about the Wildcats. You can follow Jerry on Twitter, at Jerry Tipton, at Jerry Tipton. You can follow me, if you'd like, on Twitter, at Randy Rosetta. You can also follow our network on Twitter, at vSporto. And remember that you can find our apps on iOS or Google Play. There are tons of different networks that you can follow, Big Ten, SEC, Pac-12, Notre Dame. Go to vSporto.com and find that list, or on Apple iOS or Google Play, just type in vSporto in the search, and it will bring up all the different networks. Thanks for joining me on Jump Ball, and we'll be back again next week. I'm not excited, but should I be? Is this the fate that I've the world's planned for me? I know I love you, and you love to see. But what all the water contains, a little drop, little drop for me.